Hey guys, welcome back to the Feeding a Podcast. Before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about a giveaway that we're doing that's valued at nearly $1,000. Today's episode had so much beneficial knowledge, but we wanted to give you guys some practical steps to achieve your overall fitness goals. What the giveaway is, is a one month free unlimited sessions for you and one of your friends at the Body Scope Sisters, a consultation session with Amal and an in-body scan. What you need to do to win this giveaway is make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you follow us and Coach Amal on Instagram, and we're gonna be doing an Instagram post where you just have to tag one of your friends that you would like to win the competition with, and hopefully one of you guys win. Hey guys, welcome back to the Feeding Podcast. Today we had the honor of having Coach Amal from the Body Scope Sisters on the podcast. Ali and I were able to touch on so many amazing topics. You guys are going to love it. I recommend you guys take some notes because there's so much good information on this episode. We're able to touch on her journey of becoming a PT, opening up her own gym, how to lose weight and keep that weight off, You know, having a balanced approach to eating, caloric deficit, strength training, and so many important things, and that it's never too late to start training. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. And enjoy. Inshallah. Well, either we'll just continue on what we were hearing before about you opening up your own gym. Yep. Um, obviously, you started, you said you opened in 2019, and you just said right before COVID. So, yes. was that a difficult thing to open up a gym right before COVID? Well, it was, um, it was one year before um, we had started hearing about what, you know, COVID was. So, I opened up. So it was 2018, it must be, sorry, 2018. Um, oh, I'm confused. Let's go back. COVID was 2020. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because you said just before. So, yes, 2019, I opened up our first warehouse location in Craigieburn. And um, a year later, we're about to celebrate our one-year anniversary of being open. Mm. And it was a month later, so it was March 2020, that they announced the first lockdown and they said it was just going to be two weeks. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, let's just, you know, get Change this over and done with. Just, you know, but they just tell us just, you know, sit in your homes for two weeks and we're mm. going to be out, right? <laughs> two weeks turning to another two weeks, yeah, another two, two weeks. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it yeah. just, it, it kept on extending, right? Um, and then, so that was March. Um, had a, you know, we didn't have no legislation that was concrete yet. Um, we didn't know what was going on. Still kept paying my rent. Um, wasn't I, I was um, I didn't want to walk away with any big bills, you know, hefty bills over my head. And I was like, all right, to my landlord, you know, what are, what are we going to negotiate here? He said, I'm not negotiating anything. I said, um. mate, you need to negotiate. We're in a <laughs> pandemic, and you know, I'm closed. I'm not making money. You know, it's a membership I- income. So there's no members in the gym. So we had paused everyone, and um, yeah, so he was a bit hard headed. Um, and then um, I think at that point the legislation was that the landlord had to negotiate um, and it was like a minimum of 50% of the rent or whatnot. Took it to him, we had a negotiation, gave me three months um, and then they started bringing out all these funding. Um, it wasn't sustainable no, no mm. longer. So I had to close down, long story short. Oh, I you closed I down? I closed down. How, how oh, long I didn't know that. Uh, August, August 2020 I closed down. Oh, that, must, that must have been tough. It was. Oh. It was an. Um, I so was your dream didn't even last that year. Yeah. Celebration. So we'd been operating two years from home. Our third year, we had spent one whole year in our new location, about to celebrate our one year anniversary, and then we're going to lockdown. We had come out in June for ten days. I remember this so clearly. We came out in June, so we had gone in in March. We came out in June for ten days, and then it put us back in, and that was mm. that was the end. That was yeah. when we spent the last two years at home, right? Yeah. So 
we went back in in June, so it was 10 days. We went back in. So June, July, August, three months later, I could no longer sustain pain. You know, I'm not making any money. Mm. I'm doing some online um, challenges, online Zooms, you know, training people online. Um, but it wasn't sustainable. So, and my landlord wasn't being, um, you know, helpful in any way. So I said, you know what, I don't want to walk away after I don't know how long this is going to go for and then have to turn around and pay $10,000 that I don't have in rent. Mm. So I'm just going to just gonna pack up. Close shop. Yeah, close shop. We weren't getting what, um, was JobKeeper. That, was that tough in that moment? Like, what in My husband was like, push through, you know, just there is no law right now. And I'm like, I, I can't deal with this. Like, there's just so much anxiety right now that and uncertainty. I don't know where I'm going to go with this. Like, I don't know, like, what's going to happen. I'd rather just pack up. And obviously there was – we had, um, you know – graffiti all over the walls that we paid thousands of dollars for that was we had to paint over we had to remove mirrors and break them down because they were glued and all our banners and everything that was made to measure for that warehouse was gone so you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars that we spent a year ago just gone to waste but we we didn't know right Mm. because now three months in so post june 10 days out of you know back in lockdown and three months later and there's there's no answers Right? It was so much uncertainty. How can we forget it? And I just said, I can't do this anymore. I said, sorry, hun, you know, I've got to pack up. And so it's exactly what we did. Map by map, we started stacking them, painting the walls, pulling the mirrors off, took our signs down and packed her house, put equipment in my house, put equipment in my mum's house, put equipment at my brother's house. I reset up the garage because I wanted to continue training because that was really important to me. So I set up the garage and... um, yeah, and I just I continued the online training with our members that, you know, wanted to continue on. And, you know, that was to keep that connection with them as well. Um, it, it kept us going. It kept us, you know, mm. just to show up, me showing up to them kept me going. It helped them. It helped, you know, that connection was really, really important. So we kept doing that. I saved every dollar. We're in, we're in a lockdown. There's nowhere to go. You're not spending. So I yeah. saved everything. At this point, I started getting JobKeeper, started saving money, saved a bit more. They said we could pull out our super. I pulled out my super. My husband pulled out his super. He sold a car. And I said, I want to reopen. And he said, if that's what you want, I'll support you. And he gave me all the money he had. I took all the money I had. We put it together and we opened on a double the scale. On the lot. Yeah, and I just went for it and I said, you know what, I'm just going to risk it. Mm. You know, this is an industry that I'm so passionate about. I love it. I can't imagine ever stop doing it. Like, I was in the curtain industry. I was like window furnishings, interior decorating. And while I loved that and that was very therapeutic and it had its physical demands, emotional, financial, that was how I did that for 12 years. And I said, that's something I could say now, like, I made way more money than what I make today. Mm. Although it didn't give me the satisfaction that I get today from helping people. So I knew that I want to keep going with the fitness industry till the day I die, till, mm. I, till I can't do it no more. Like there won't be another, like Allah Alam, we don't know the future, but when I think about where I am right now, it's something that I want to keep doing for the rest of my life. And, you know, obviously I've passed it on to my daughter. Hopefully I can pass it on to the youngest, yeah, you know, inshallah. try to pass it on to the son. Mm-hmm. Who knows, you know, yeah. no one inshallah. knows what the future holds. That but is beautiful. Yeah. I wanted to ask, how long was the break between closing down shop and opening the other one? 
we reopened the other one in October of 2020. 2020. So you closed in like June, August. Yeah, we opened a few months later. And oh. then we went back into lockdown. Sorry, I missed that part. Damn. Damn, yes, I missed that part. So, <laughs> so, you, after so I re- during COVID, you, re- you put um, all your money. All right, yes. So you reminded me. Okay. That's, that's even bigger so, risk. Yeah, so actually it was a really brave move. I So coming out of lockdown, they, it was 2020 November and they let us out, if you recall. Uh, and that's when I made that move to reopen. So we, because, yeah, it was August, September, October, three months later, I said mm. to my husband, now, I want to redo this. Let's put all the money that we have and just, again, brick by brick, whatever mm. we've got, let's just build what we can. Um, so we moved into this place um, and we thought we'll do a cafe. So we've got a cafe in our new gym. Great idea. And we thought it was a great idea. We said, you know what, let's open up a cafe because... If we go back into another lockdown, then at least we can continue to generate some sort of revenue through food because everyone's continuing to eat, you know. But when it's not your industry and you don't know how to create, you know, the best system, it's not – the food industry is not easy. And it's not because I wasn't good at it. It was – Finding it, we didn't, we weren't established enough yet to find our feet to be good at it. Mm. So oh, and to get your regular customers, to get our regular because of the lockdowns yeah. and the pandemics. Um, no regrets. Like now, this space, it's a, it's a full blown cafe. We now just, um, so it was operating. Now we now just serve coffee, smoothies, and you know, protein treats and things like that to our members, and the public are allowed to come in. It's a space that's open to males and females, because the way we built. The new property was lots of security and doors and, um, the, you know, the women feel free to take off their clothes so no one could actually see unless you want to, you know, walk straight through like three doors. Mm. But um, so, yeah, the, the cafes were right at the front. So we thought it was a great idea. We put a lot of money into it. But, again, we had returned to the gym and six months later the cafe had actually been finished built. So it wasn't – people walked in. Okay, so we launched a new Body Sculpt Sisters headquarters mm. – but not everything was finished. There were still mirrors that needed to go up. There was still, you know, painting that needed to be finished because we didn't have all the funds. But mm. we, I needed a space. I needed to, to know that I am continuing. I needed my members to know that I'm still here and I'm not going anywhere. Mm. And I wanted the people to know that I'm still here and I'm not leaving, you know. So I, I was happy to go in there and not have, you know, a, a full space that was ready to go from, you know, day one. So November we went back in. So in November we opened up. We went back into lockdown. I can't remember. I remember there's right just, after. There's just too many milestones yeah. going on yeah. here. Yeah. We, had, we did have like seven-week periods of being in lockdown and in between those periods it could have been sometimes two or three. We, w- we went back mm-hmm. in and yeah. then mm-hmm. we went back in. and then So it was a total of two years, right? Yeah. We went back in and then like, oh, no, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> just gone and opened up this 520-square space. And, you know, back to square one. So I started changing, you know, our terms and conditions for our contracts and, you know, our memberships and whatnot, bringing out COVID T's and C's and, um, you know, looking out for, you know, mm-hmm. the, the business. Because I remember there was also a stage where you could, you could go to the gym but you could book sessions. 
like different time slots. Yeah, there was that time. Not, as maybe well. it was near the end. I'm not too sure yeah. when it was, but I remember that was the thing. And then like my gym was like booked out. You couldn't even go ever. Oh, you know, like, so for me and and this can completely go public, but I was allowing a lot of members to come in and use the space. <laughs> like, mm. it was ridiculous. Like yeah. yeah, I was letting people come in, you know, and if it kept me, you know, bringing in some money to pay the bills, because at the end of the day, it was survival mode, right? We just needed to pay our bills because no one else cared. So if it meant that these members could come in and use the space for their mental health and for my mental health, because, you know, the financial burden now was affecting my mental health, I was letting people in, mm. you know? I was letting them use the space and doing what I had to do to survive. True. So well, eventually you hit a max where you're like, it's been a year and a half. They still don't know what's going on. We could take two vaccines and st it's still not enough. Yeah. And then you can't let your first business, like, okay, that's Qadr Allah, COVID, you know, it's new. Now it's been a year and a half. I'm not letting the second one go down. Yeah. And it's like, you just got to do it. Yeah. 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 So that that's, oh, you know, that those two years, there's so much that happened. So little, but so much. Mm. So then how right? was it like, because um, I'm not too sure how many clients you had over... The COVID time Yeah, online. so we actually got affected. Um, so going to the new, um, the new location now, so this is our second location after, so we're, we're talking warehouses. Um, we're actually coming out, people were really motivated to join a gym and we, we got up to about 130 active members. Damn, 130 shallow. active members. And because of the constant lockdowns, people started buying more equipment and then, you know, whether it was they you know, became adapted to working out at home or whatever their reasoning was, whether they weren't motivated no more, whether they joined another gym. When we all came out, we lost like 30% of our members. That's a lot. Yeah, we lost yeah. a lot. And trying to regain them has is a constant battle, like till today. But, you know, like I said, I'm fighting the fight. I ain't mm. given up. Mm. You know, for me, um, for my community, um, it's about like we, we, have, we have a family, Body Sculpt Sisters, we have a family and, you know, as cringe as this might sound, but it is a family and I always I always say if Body Sculpt Sisters was to ever close down, I would leave 100 plus members homeless, you know, mm. because we've created a space that's not only safe and nurturing, but it's things that other gyms aren't doing. A lot of female gyms aren't doing. We, we're, you know, we're doing things in the industry that is um, a minority, you know, teaching women that you can lift heavy things, you know, without bulking up or what you think bulking up is. Mm. And, you know, you can you can be strong and you're not going to look like a man. You can be strong for, you know, the longevity of your, your life, you know. So um, we're doing things in – well, I, I for me, I'm very passionate about strength training. Um, I've seen what it's done for my body and, you know, and it's not looking like a man. You know, and then to say to women, you know, I've I've had people say, oh, you know, Mal, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to look like you. You know, you're a bit bulky. I'll be like, mm, I'm actually not bulky. I'm just fat at the moment. Mm. You know, I've just got a bit too much fluff over my muscles, and it makes me look bulky. It's what's perceived as bulky. Mm. So we see women who look bulky, but they're actually just carrying a high body fat percentage. That's true. And then you know, these same women have probably seen me when I'm doing a cut, and I'm like at twelve percent body fat, and they're like, "Amal, oh, you're right. You look skinny. You look sick. You know what's going on?" But like, no, you know what? I'm actually carrying more muscle right now than what I was when you told me I look bulky. So now, what you're seeing is not bulky, and you're telling me mm. I look sick. Mm. That muscle mass under that bulk was. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's all perception. Yeah. When when was it for you? 
um, when you broke that mental barrier of oh, I can oh I can lift heavy weights, I can actually do strength training consistently and not like a man, quote unquote. I don't think I ever had that. I don't think yeah. it was ever a barrier for me. Um, I I've grown up. So for me, I've grown up with seven brothers, and I had no sisters. <laughs> so yeah. I grew up in a very very um, very sheltered home, very strict. I wasn't allowed. So I've never played sport. I wasn't allowed. My brothers always used to play cricket out front and I wasn't allowed in the backyard, you know. Sorry, I'm can I ask you, were you the youngest? I'm the second youngest. Okay. So I've got a younger brother. as well. Yeah. I'm the only girl. My mum was very, very protective and I can understand why. I've got girls now and, you know, th- our children are so precious. We want to protect them any way we can. And I can understand, you know, being immigrants to Australia, um, you know, not knowing the country and they, they worry and they worry, you know, with, with girls and so... She wouldn't even let me out into the backyard. Damn. So if you want to talk about physical activity, I don't know anything about physical activity mm-hmm. ever, yeah. apart from going from school and doing PE, which, you know, most girls always make up the excuse, oh, you know, it's that time of the month, I can't do PT, because, you know, we're all lazy, we, d- we don't want to mm-hmm. do it. Well, that's where I, where I stood anyway. So, yeah, I grew up, like I said, very sheltered in a very strict household, and um, I grew up with seven brothers. Um, you could almost say like, yeah, there was like a little bit of a tomboy in me, but I was also very much a girl. But my mum influenced me with the textile industry. Um, so that's all pretty much, you know, it's like how we influence our children, right? So that's what I saw and that's what I wanted to become. I wanted to become a fashion designer. So I went to college and I was in my third year. And at this point I'm married. I'm in my third year, my diploma for fashion. And I fell pregnant with Asma Han, um, my eldest. And um, I had to leave. I was very sick. I lost a lot of weight. I was um, growing up. I was a voluptuous kind of girl, sitting around that fourteen size fourteen, over seventy kilos. Um, but now we're not talking like so. I'm not lean. I don't have no lean tissue or anything like that. So, you know, seventy kilos is size fourteen. I'm seventy kilos now, but I'm you know, size ten. Makes you can mm. see the difference there, the comparison. Um, I lost a lot of weight. I got very, very sick. I had to leave. That's I had to leave my course. So halfway through, I could not continue on. The, the, I was just extremely sick. So I was hospitalised. Um, I had her. Then I had a second child. Um, and then I decided that, you know, obviously I didn't finish my diploma, but I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe I'll get into interior decorating. So I just flipped it and I launched the business and became extremely successful, paid off my first home, yeah. bought a land build a second home and um it was 12 years it was demanding it was hard i was overweight i was eating the worst diet you could ever possibly think of to you know get through each day i was working 12 hour 18 hour shifts sometimes you know trying to get jobs out quoting um extremely horrible for you know our health physically um you know when i think about my posture as well where i used to sit with it constantly in that you know forward hunched over position um, I had a really bad posture. So when I was actually got into the fitness industry, I had a really, really... I, and, and the thing is, what doesn't do justice to sell, like, me or my product or anything like that is, like, you can't share, like, as a Muslim, you know, woman, you can't share your progress it's photos, really right? Yeah, that's can't. the tough thing. Yeah. Like someone, it's like, um, for, the, for guys, there's something called a sleeper body. Where someone like a guy would wear like over, like if I'm wearing a baggy jumper, you have no idea what right. the physique is over. But then obviously I can take it off. Like you know Correct. what I mean. Like guys Correct. have that. Like wear a singlet, you see the arms, you see the leanness. But for a sister, you can't you show can't. any of that. No, it's so such f- a for tough me, thing. For me, for me, like there was this extreme um, 
we call it kyposis in the fitness industry where you've just got this, you know, forward sh- uh, shoulder roll and the hunchback. That was my posture. You can imagine I spent hours and hours on a sewing machine, hours and hours driving, you know, quoting people's homes, hours and hours just in that constant, you know, forward position. And there w- I wasn't reversing it with, you know, fitness and you know, some seated rows and, mm. you know, like pull down. There was none of that. There was go to work, mm. eat about two meat pies for breakfast, can of V and for, for lunch it was a kebab, another can of V and then go home oh. and cook your dinner. It seems like your brother's influenced your diet. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> yeah. like a, every liver guy. Was, no, again, like <laughs> you know, that was survival. Yeah. You know, yeah. I needed to, I had no time. You know, I, I would cook for my family but I had no time for me. There was never any time for me. It was workaholic, you know, finish these jobs. You you got a, you got a deadline. you got to put out that, you know, people yeah, are paying sure. you twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 for a job. Mm-hmm. you got to deliver. Can I ask how your husband's health was at the time? Because some people say a partner... My husband is the reason why I got into the fitness industry. Okay. Um, so, uh, like I said, I became very overweight. Um, so, I'm hitting around, you know, close to 80 kilos now. Um, and I bought a treadmill. So, I prior to that, I tried to join a gym. And, again, no support, no guidance. You're just a number. Um, within two weeks, I was lost. So, I paid out a 12-month membership that I was only there for two weeks. And this is going way back. So, again, like, I tried and I stopped for years. And I bought a treadmill. And my husband said to me, look, here's a pre-workout. <laughs> Started the pre-workout. I, I love you the way you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, but here's a pre-workout. He wants and, you to go and, hard. And, and, and maybe that will give you, you know, the motivation you need to get started. Because the treadmill's just sitting there. It's been there for about, you know, a year now. Mm-hmm. So, just try this. And he gave me this pre-workout. And I kid you not, this is no joke. That day was the day... My life transformed. No. Wallahi. Wallahi. Alhamdulillah for the best. I don't know what that is. I don't know. (laughs) But I'd never run a day in my life. And that day I was running on probably like what I thought was like, you know, being... um, Marathon runner or something. A marathon runner, you know, bolt just bolting on that trail. It was the speed of eight. But um, that that gave me something that I got that, you know, adrenaline rush. I had that, you know, finished at workout. I had those endorphins and I felt amazing. I was like, this feels good. I want to do that again. It does become addictive. It does. It yeah. became, that was the day that, and that was before Jinan was born. And so I kind of like, sometimes I say, you know, my journey's 12 years ago. Sometimes I tell people it was 14 years ago. So that five months, I lost 20 kilos oh, sure. from that five pre-workout. Months. Yeah. Can, I, I, had, uh, can uh, I take this pre-workout? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> C4, no, yeah. it actually wasn't C4. They used to get harder legal stuff back in the day. Yeah, it was like two scoops. Um, yeah. I don't know if you remember, the people would be like, you know, there's stuff that would pass the borders. and It's it not allowed. There's a lot of people like yeah, that. Yeah, there was. There's even now things that come to market and after six months, they're like, not, it's not approved. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, if you got those, man, they hit different. Yeah, well, it hit. Yeah. You know, and I'm not someone who takes pre-workout today. You know, my pre-workout is a shot of caffeine uh, from, you know, an espresso or whatever. Okay. But he gave me that and... Yeah, so that was um, in 2007, roughly. Mm. So, and I know your husband helped you because you were a bit overweight and you at least took it on. I'm not too sure if you were complaining about your weight at the time to your husband. So he's trying to help yeah, you. Because so even a partner helping, it's, it can be difficult at times, you know, like uh, maybe the wife might say, shouldn't you love me the way I am? Or the well, husband he, doesn't know what to I, say. I wish, I wish he would have like put me down. He never put me down. I would put myself down and be like, you know, there's not too much that we can say to the public, but, you know, when you're obviously standing there and you're looking in the mirror and you see, you know, your belly protruding and there's just, like, really heavy fat in the midsection mm. and you just don't feel good. And, you know, you're a married woman. Um, you know, there's a reason why you want to look good, right? There's a reason why you should want to look good. 
uh, feel good. Now, whether it's for you, for your partner or both, you know, it's, um, it's important. It's important. It's important for your self-esteem, for your confidence. And, you know, I'm all for, you know, self-love and, and all that, you know, body acceptance and whatnot. But um, there's a fine line, I think. Um, and, you know, we can talk about that a little bit later. But, yeah, he was, he, he's, my husband's incredibly supportive. Like, he's never put me down. But he said, you know, I can see you really want this and here's a pre-workout and there you go. And I fell in love with that. And, you know, it initially just started off with, you know, running on a treadmill and walking. He bought me a couple of dumbbells and they were two kilos and he would say to me, that's a bicep and that's a tricep, you know, and do some yeah. of these, you know, being a little bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, what's that, tricep, bicep? Is that a quad? Yeah. You know, is that, you know, is that your glute? So I was learning and he would yeah. teach me. Um, he would teach me what he knew. And, yeah. But he was, he was, you know, big and bulky Strong. and he was always in the gym and always, you know, he'd go to come home from work and hit the gym every day, him and my brothers, him and his mates. So... He was my biggest um, supporter to push me, but in a real positive way. You know, never ever putting me down. Um, but I just instantly I started to see my body transform. You know, standing on the scale, like, you know, the scale was my motivation. And I still think it's a great tool that people can use, you know. Um, but, you know, I'd stand on the scale, my weight's coming down, so that I'm feeling good. Um, then slowly, slowly I started to change my diet. I just started to cut back. I didn't know about calories. I didn't know about deficits. I didn't know about, you know grams of carbs or protein I just started to eat less and just those were my logic you know decisions that I made like this is a conscious it's gonna eat more protein I don't know it fills me up do that mm. um less sugar because apparently sugar makes you fat so I'll do less of that so obviously my diet became restrictive and once your diet becomes restrictive you're going to create a deficit somehow because you're eliminating a lot of foods yeah, and I subconsciously did that I didn't know what I was doing but I was eating less and I lost my weight. So 20 kilos in five months and then, bang, I fall pregnant with Jeanette. And my pregnancy is extremely hard. And the only way, and, you know, as my hand's pregnant right now and I suspect, you know, Allah, Alam, she's got a girl because every time I felt pregnant with girls, all I wanted to do was, like, eat. And so Jeanette, I'm pregnant and I'm like, I can't train. Mm. I'm nauseous. I need to eat. I need to eat. I need to eat, eat, eat. Mm. Nine months later, 95 kilos. So I didn't train. Was this also, that's the last child you've had? Yeah. Okay, because maybe you will have some clients who are pregnant, because I've seen videos online about pregnant ladies training. Yeah. So we'll touch on that yeah, soon. Yeah, absolutely. But 95 kilos. 95 kilos, I got to 95. I wish I could share three weeks postpartum. I can't, I don't have my hijab on. Like, I wish I could share that online and say to people, this is how big I got. Mm. I got to 95 kilos and then gave birth to her. My dad became very, very sick and my dad was my everything, like he was my rock. And so that was, um, it was a quite a depressing moment and it was about 18 months later that he died you know, after she wow. had been born. So we're going through a really, really rough patch. So fitness was the last thing on the agenda. Um, it was taking care of him, looking after him, taking him to his hospital appointments, making sure, you know, that we cared for him. And mind you, I'm still working in the curtain industry. Okay, that part. So I'm still working. Yeah, I've so got my sick dad and, and I've got my daughter. And at this point now, you know, I'm losing – so 18 months later, I've lost passion for the, the textile industry. My dad's passed away and I'm sick of the way I look. I'm 80-plus kilos and just feel terrible. And I miss that feeling and I said I, I need to get back into it. And that was, yeah, 12 years ago. How did you get back into it? How long did it take you I to I just get made back that decision and I said, you know what, it's time to pick up. And I picked back up from home. I had never had a gym. 
My husband was a little bit, you know. Okay, so you, you've been, you were trained the whole time at, at home? All at home. From this... Um, yeah, my husband, it was kind of like taboo for a female to be in a gym space. Okay, yeah. Well, maybe the fitness industry wasn't that knowledgeable. Yeah, even like 12 years ago, I don't know how many ladies-only gyms there were. There wasn't much. Next and yeah. to go to a gym was like in, in, in my culture, my family, yeah. Zaib. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 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 A hijabi at the gym wouldn't fit right then. Yeah. yeah. And my husband said, no, you've, you've got your equipment, you can. And then so Jinan became a little bit older and um, she was like, <laughs> they've got memories of this, but, you know, I'd be running on the back of the treadmill and they'd be like, you know, flying off the back and I'd be like, stop it. Got to lose weight here. <laughs> got to look good. Got to feel good. Yeah. You know, but um, I kept on going. I, was, I, I wanted it. I wanted it. And, you know, people say to me today, you know, what's your motivation? I'd be like, well, one, really important to have a goal, but um, knowing how much you want something. And if you really want something, you'll give it everything you've got. Mm. Just how much do you really want whatever it is that you want? Mm. You know? So... Yeah, so that was 2000 and um, so I got back into it 2011. That's 12 years ago. 2011 was when I started again. I started bike riding on the road. My husband and I would go for bike rides. Um, she was a bit older, it became a bit more harder. I said to him, hey, look, the gym's got childminding. It's an all-female space. Can I please join up? I really want heavier equipment. And he allowed it. So we joined the commercial space and had access to all these heavy weights. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> transformation yeah. time and then when I look back and I see 65 kilos um, of cardio versus 65 kilos of lean mass it is huge and I'll say to anyone today who wants to you know come come and have a look you know if, if you're female come and have a look at the before and after it's incredible 65 kilos when of lean mass and then when you were bulky and 65 kilos of not weight training not weight training okay yeah. you're just doing cardio just doing yeah. cardio 65 okay. kilos of just doing cardio would have been about uh, 30% body fat Oh. 65 kilos of lean tissue, I would have been about 20% body fat. It's 15% body fat difference. Yeah, body composition. That. People don't, 100%. yeah, it's it's the scale. People say, oh, you're both 75. Okay, it's different. But like, if, even when those pictures where people show like fat and muscle right next to each other, they're it's both true. a kilo and the size is just, yeah. It's the size, it's yeah. the volume. SubhanAllah. Right. Fat okay. takes up more volume. Mm. That That's the difference. So. Very interesting. Yeah. I wanted to touch on, because one thing that you... Obviously, you said you went um, overweight. You hit numbers that you didn't want to hit. I remember yesterday on the phone, you were saying that you weren't happy with your body. Obviously, you knew you were at an unhealthy level, but you've never, at least before when you first started going on the treadmill and started losing that weight, you've never seen yourself at your peak health. No. So you you saw, hey, I'm unhealthy now. There's a big um, topic or ideology about like self-love. Yeah. That you have to love your body and you shouldn't only... Um, Love your body when you receive the abs or the muscle or the bicep vein or whatever else you're looking for. What's that um, philosophy you have on that? I, um, it, I I think it's finding the balance. Like, where's the happy medium? You know, I've been um, I've been at a stage in my life where I had the six pack, and um, it was an extremely restrictive diet that I don't recommend to anyone. Like I say to people, you know, um, do what you can. Do what you can do for the rest of your life, right? What is sustainable, that's what you do. Um, and then there's, you know, w what is healthy. So where I'm at right now, I'm at a healthy weight. Um, so for me, I oh, see, I don't really want to be honest, but... Because um, self-love for me, like I'd say, if you're in the average weight column, 
you know, you shouldn't say I'm only gonna like. For example, me, I'm in the average weight class, but I don't have abs. I, I shouldn't say I'm only gonna love myself when I have abs because yeah. then I'm attaining to the goal. But if I'm extremely overweight, if I'm a hundred kilos, yeah. when now I'm seventy five, yeah. I don't believe you should be saying, "Hey, like, love yourself," stuff like. No, you're I extremely overweight. It becomes an excuse. Yeah, it becomes I an agree. excuse. Like, no, I, I need to be proud of what I am. It's like you gotta, you gotta earn that. That that's the thing now with the industry, isn't it? It's about self love, but it's going in the wrong direction. Where they're encouraging a lot of people to, you know, live unhealthy. This is what it is. It's an unhealthy lifestyle, um, and they're saying it's hey, it's okay because you love yourself. But you know, do you truly love yourself, or are you trying to convince yourself that it's okay because that's what society is telling us? Because it's not okay. You know, I see people around me all the time that are at an unhealthy weight um, and I say, you need to make a change because you're prone to diabetes, to, you know, heart conditions. Um, yeah, so, look, it's not about attaining a six-pack. Um, it's about being in a healthy weight range and, you know, everyone's different. What is healthy for me is probably you know, different for someone else, you know, maybe someone can have a six-pack and that is healthy for them and that's fine. Um, what what you can, you know, put out right now and, and and it's sustainable for you and you can maintain that, it's healthy. But if you're overweight, if you're, you know, carrying a very high body fat percentage, that's unhealthy and I don't think that's self-love. I think there's a, there's a wrong message being sent to the youth Um in particular because you know it's going both ways isn't it it's either girls are restricting extremely low and you know not eating or there's the the other side where you know a lot of women um are promoting self-love and they're morbidly obese mm. where's the fine line so where do i stand on it how about your clientele's when they walk through the door are you brutally honest with them from the start like is it one of those things because if someone is like um extremely overweight and then they say like oh you know i don't i don't need to do this when someone faces you know? me face to face i'm brutally honest i don't i'm not vocal on social media because i don't you know want to speak the truth because i don't want the backlash and i don't want to have to deal with it i don't have time for it so i don't speak about it on socials i don't speak on socials at all um, but face-to-face, -face, I'm brutally honest. So when someone comes to me, people are generally going to come to me because they want to lose weight. Mm. And I'll yeah. teach them how to do it. And I'll teach them what's healthy. And if they come to me with the goal, I want a six-pack, I'll teach them how to get a six-pack. That's their goal. That's in the moment. That's what you want. I'm going to help you do that. But there is, you know, a healthy way of reaching that. And once you've reached it, you know, it, um, it, it, may, it may be something that you want to continue on. Um, but I like to teach in a really healthy manner. It's not something that, you know, we don't approach things. Everything is individual with us. Um, we don't approach things creating eating disorders or anything like that. Mm. But if you come to me and say, Amal, I want a six-pack, sure, that's your goal. I'm not going to say a six-pack is unhealthy. The way I did it was unhealthy. I was eating spinach. 12% body fat is very low. It, for, for females uh, especially. The 12% body yeah. fat. Uh, is, yeah. No, like the, the guys shouldn't be at 12. 12% <laughs> yeah. body fat was actually recently. That was only last year. Oh, damn. So that was, I was training for something. I had an event and it wasn't to be 12% body fat for the aesthetics. I was training for a, um, it was a um, Iron Maiden event and it's, um, it's from the SFG community. It's a three lift event where 
you've got to do a pull-up with 24 kilo strapped around your waist and a 24 kilo pistol squat and a 24 kilo um, press. And um, my theory was bring your weight down and you're going to pull yourself up easier. Mm. Well, it didn't work like that. I had lost strength. Mm. But that was my theory at the moment and it didn't translate the way I wanted it to translate. Um, How'd you go on those lifts? I missed the bar of the pull-up. So my, you had to get your neck. So I had my chin, chin just like... Uh. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I tried to get my body fat down. Again, like I said, it wasn't for aesthetic reasons. Yes, the six-pack was there. Yes, I was extremely lean. That, and it was at that point that pe- I didn't do it in an unhealthy way. The unhealthy way I was talking about was in 2012. In 2012, I weighed 60 kilograms, which is, I don't even know, at that point I never had um, access to, you know, Dexter the technology that we like have that, yeah. today. Um, but I was 60 kilos. Um and I was extremely skinny and I had a six-pack, um, but I was eating spinach out of a bag mm. because if I ate anything else, I'd get I'd blow up. So I, for about one year, I was probably on 800 calories to 1,000. And how was your mental state walking horrible. around? Everything was horrible. Yeah. Everything was horrible. Because no energy's coming in. Yeah. Would you say right. you had an eating disorder then? Like, and would, I, would I look like back now? Yeah. 100%. And it... Do you see, because um, I'll ask what you did to um, overcome that, because a lot of people have that fear. If I start looking at food, like I'm only looking at the calories of food, like that's what I, and I won't eat certain dishes. Um, do you see it's common now people have that mentality? Like when people are losing weight, do they get a, a kind of like symptoms of an eating disorder? Is that common? I've dealt with a few clients who have had symptoms of an eating disorder and we do help them overcome it. Um, and it's just about creating new habits, reintroducing um, you know, simple things at a time to help them out of that. Um, when I look back now to 2012, I definitely say there was an eating disorder. How did I overcome it? Um, it wasn't um, a conscious decision to say, hey, you've got an eating disorder and you need to make a change. It was lifestyle becoming a bit more challenging um, so at this point now, you know, I'm starting to be a PT. There wasn't the time to train. There wasn't the time to prep food. Um, I'm still working. I'm starting to be a PT. I'm a mum. And then so the time that I was committing in the gym now was, you know, decreased. So slowly, slowly I started to see that the weight was coming back on. And I was unhappy about it. Then I realised, again, like I said, it wasn't conscious decisions. It was something that I was adapting to slowly. And... I, it was only probably until like five years ago when I looked back then and said, yeah, you had an eating disorder. Mm. Working more, more and more with people, realising that then, you know, yes, I had an eating disorder. Yeah, it's hu- I think it's hard to tell in the moment because no, you can imagine with new clients, they want to get the quick fix, the quick results. They're yeah. thinking, oh, I'm eating less, this must be right. Yeah. I'm losing weight, so it must be yeah. right. But then obviously it's not sustainable, like yeah. you said. No, definitely not sustainable. Mm. So in order for me to have maintained the weight that I was back then, I was training three hours in the gym. That's not sustainable. I was prepping every single meal and I was eating, like I'd have my three meals prepped and then my snacks was like a bag of spinach or you know some cucumbers or whatever. It wasn't <laughs> healthy. It's like, you're, it's like you're doing a bodybuilding prep. Right. So yeah, my, my time like was occupied in the gym. Mm. Three hours in the gym. You know, so there's n- you're not bored. When you're bored, what do you do? You eat. So I was never bored. Mm. So that eating window was small. It was easy to stick to that 800 calories. Mm. Um, yeah. That was unhealthy. When I dropped down to 12.5% body fat last year, that wasn't unhealthy. So there was a goal um, and 
the approach I used was um, completely healthy. Just caloric deficit, or was it? I was on about two thousand six hundred calories. That's still a lot. It's a lot of food. Damn, twenty six hundred. Yeah. Especially healthy. Did you do a lot of cardio? Yeah. Uh, I did cardio. Uh, I do about three cardio sessions a week, and then I would get my steps up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, to I was averaging about fifteen thousand steps a day. Um, I had a goal, so I had three months, and I was training for that goal. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Can you tell me what body percentage you went from? Did you go from like seventeen to twelve, or I was went it twenty? Okay, in three months. Damn, I need to come train with you. Did you take, <laughs> take brothers on? <laughs> yeah. Sure. I was strength training about five days a week. I was doing about one Metcon, one to two Metcons a week. Three cardio sessions. So Metcon is cardio, but like steady state cardio three times a week. And I was just walking a lot. And it was kind of like, you know, you've got your spring weather and it was nice. You're out. If I'm out, then I'm away from food. It's easier to stick to my two and a half thousand calories. At times it would be three thousand you know, that's a, that's a very it. healthy amount. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's yeah. yeah. There's one brother that's a part of the group chat. He just went on Umrah um, today. He left for ten days. He does twelve hundred calories, and he's uh, yeah, he's like crazy. But he does. He says, or maybe he's, he's going to listen to this. He's yeah, he's, yeah okay. <laughs> he, he he edits the snippets. Um, but he knows for himself. He he'll put himself on a goal at the start of the month. Hey, I'm going to stick to this. And then obviously life, you know, interrupts. You get sick, yeah. family, you get yeah. busy, and you feel like you're cheating yourself more frequently. Yeah. Like a cheat meal, you feel like, oh my god, this is the, I'm doing a sin, and it's like you know. So the way the way I teach um, our girls is um, so not so much a cheat meal, but I teach them how to cycle their calories. Um, so we talk about like having calorie allowances, like a you know a budget, spending budget. Um, so I t- say to them, for example, like rather than thinking of your calories per day. Let's think of it as a week. So if I'm going to put you in a calorie deficit and, you know, your weekly, you know, your daily um, calories are, for argument's sake, 1,600. Please, no one do 1,600. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say 1,600 multiplied by 7. Maybe we're about 11,000 or something. Um, that's your weekly calories. So 1,600 multiplied by 7, whatever that is, that's your weekly calories. Um you're planning on going out with your partner. You're planning on going out with your friends on the weekend. Well, how much are you planning on spending on the weekend? 3000 per day? Well, let's take away 6000 from your total week. And now per week, you probably only get twelve to 1400 Monday to Friday. And Saturday to Sunday, you can spend about 3000 each day. Mm. So I'll teach them how to cycle their calories okay. plus macros. You um, do macros as well? Yeah, so we macro. Okay. Now, that's only just because when people walk in a door, they're like, I don't know anything about calories. I don't know anything so about macros. So the first thing first thing I say to I don't like to overwhelm women with saying, you know, they've just come and they say to me, I want to lose weight. I say, you got to eat your protein. That's the f- only thing you say, protein. Eat your protein. Okay. You're allowed Good carbs. Simplified. Carbs are very important for women. They regulate our hormones. Fat is very important even for, for Even for males, human it's development. the same thing. Yeah, our cell yeah. development. You've got to eat your fat. Males, exactly. Right. Mm. 100%. All human. A lot of people like say, like, I can't eat carbs. Like, it's a big like stigma on carbs. Yeah, yeah. No. no. You you eat your carbs because, you know, once you lose your menstrual cycle, there's red flags there, yeah? There's something that's not right. It's probably because you've cut out the carbohydrates that your body needs to regulate you every month. Yeah, your body needs it. Um, so we always macro slash calorie um, diet with our women. Um but I don't like to overwhelm women and say, hey, you're going to calorie count. If that's a path they want to take, I'm, I'm open to, 
to discuss that. And you do get sisters from the start willing to take a lot I on? don't want to. I don't allow it. Okay, good. Yep. So someone comes to me, you know, whether you, know, you get some women who don't even speak English and they'll be like, oh, you know, I want to I learn how to calorie count. No, 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 no. Mm, not yet. Yeah. Do you know how to use my fitness pal? What's that? You're mm. not calorie counting. Mm. We're gonna, I'm just going to tell you what to do. First thing you're going to do is quit the snack. Stop eating your children's leftovers and quit the snack. Because that's where it's going wrong most of the time, is people are snacking too much and they're not accounting for those extra calories they're sneaking in. So quit the snack, eat more protein, and watch what's going to happen. So eat until you're full. Mm. I don't mind. Be full. That's good. I think that's important for them to hear that because a lot of people can think, oh, is this going to even fill me up? I'm going to be hungry. What do I do when I'm hungry? And then that's where you snack again. And what people don't realise about protein is, one, it's a thermogenic. It takes a lot of effort for your body to break down, which means if your body's working really hard to break down protein, you're burning a lot of calories. So that's the number one fact. It's a thermogenic. It costs your body a lot more than carbs and fat. Hmm. So there's we've got like what we call the gross and the net value of food. Protein, we, we pull up, you know, um, a piece of chicken, right? A calorie is, is 120, 100 grams of chicken, 120 calories. Of that 120, after you've eaten it, the net value is only 100. Your body, it costs your body 20 calories to burn it down. Hmm. Whereas carbohydrates... If we're looking at 120 calories of carbs, the net value was probably 115. And fat was probably 120. Mm. So fat doesn't cost a lot. Carbs is, eh, need it. We need it for energy. We need it for performance. If you're going to come to the gym and cut out carbohydrates, well, you're going to be counterproductive. You're not going to perform well. Mm. Are you really going to have a great response from that training session? Are you going to get the results you want? Because you're so lethargic. You've got no energy. You're not going to perform well. You're not going to burn a lot of calories. You're not going to build lean mass. Without the lean mass, so now we eat protein, we recover with it, right? We build more lean mass. The more lean mass we have, we have a higher metabolism. The higher our metabolism, the more calories we burn. Now we eat protein, we stay satiated. If we're satiated, we prolong the window of our next window, eating window, right? And you're not snacking you're not in snacking. between meals. And protein has um, an incredible property to trick our brain into thinking that um, we're getting carbohydrates. It gets converted into a pathway of like tricking our brain into thinking. I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. So okay. protein all the way. It's the first thing I say to women, get your protein in. Mm. I want you every time you decide you're going to open your mouth, put some protein in. Mm. And it's magical. SubhanAllah. <laughs> usually okay. that, that, that's usually the game changer, right? Even yeah. though it is the step one. Yeah. And I can imagine that's where – where they obviously they build the habit of step one and then they're willing to take on the next steps. They have the belief where it's like, okay, I can make these changes in my life. Yeah. So yeah. what's after protein? Then? They'll say to me, do I not eat bread? No, eat bread. Mm. Bread's yum. Mm. Bread's life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, eat it. If it doesn't agree with your stomach, don't. Find another alternative. But if you I- enjoy eating bread and you can tolerate what you're eating, you don't upset your stomach, then you eat your bread. But there's, there's an amount that we should eat. So I'll use the hand as a tool for a lot of women. So I'll be like, right, look, you know, you can have three meals a day. Have your protein and a cupped hand of carbs. So that could be, you know, two slices of bread or, you know, it's a half a cup of rice or whatever it is. Obviously, they've got to make better decisions now. Like, yes, we can have, you know, our cheat days and cycle our calories. But the bulk of our meals need to be nutritious whole food. If we're thinking, yes, we can diet and lose weight eating 
processed food, we're not going to feel good and it's not going to be sustainable. So, yes, we could probably do it if we're, you know, really strict and we stick to it because we've got, you know, we're going to do a, um, you know, some sort of, um, uh, what do I call it? Um, Protein diets? No, like um, my mind's just gone blank. Um, A trial. Yeah. All right, I'm going to show you people, if I went on a 2,000 calorie diet just eating Maccas, Mm. It, it's oh, just to prove to just people. to prove that yeah. if you're in a calorie deficit, then you can yeah. do that. It's just it's not healthy. Yeah. yeah, it's not sustainable. But if you stuck to the deficit, chances are you probably wouldn't burn as much calories as we would like you to. Um, but you, if it's your deficit, it's your deficit, and you can mm. still lose weight. It's just not healthy. Mm. So the bulk of the food should be whole foods. That's like the eighty twenty principle. Yeah, eighty percent good, twenty percent you have that 100%. leeway. Because if not... It's, it's a good principle. Yeah. I uh, mean, yeah, definitely. Especially for something like there's a stage in your life where you're either competing for an event or you're really overweight and you're like, hey, I want to drop this weight. Or, you, you know, for example, in the sports, you're in the, you're in the preseason, you want to get really fit. So you, do, you change up your certain things, but it's the everyday. It's like, what can you maintain? Long term, the best thing to maintain is just that 80-20. Yeah. 80-20. Yeah. 80% nutritional whole foods. And 20% is when you you know go to your mum's house and you don't deny the sweets or something like 100%, that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Protein, carbs, fat, fibre. Mm. Fibre is extremely important. Again, uh, filling, filling the stomach with volume, filling it up with fibre. It's going to keep you fuller longer. And the fibre is really important for you know, our gut health as well. Mm. Um, it's got a, a lot of other positives. But you know, from a weight loss perspective, protein, carbs, fat, fibre, get it in. Get everything. Like, yeah, yeah. Ho- yeah. The bulk of it should be whole foods. But, you know, if you want that, you know, donut once a week, go for it. I did it when I reached 12.5% body fat. I had a donut a week. You know, I probably had a slice of pizza here and there. Damn. Guilt-free. Guilt-free. I tracked it yeah. because I had a goal. And there was something that I was trying to attain. And, you know, I got to that end. And I obviously I didn't succeed the goal. But I reached the very end and I showed up and I didn't quit and I kept on tracking and I proved to the girls. Now, from an aesthetic point of view, I said, you're going to see how much I'm going to eat and you're going to see how hard I train and you're going to see that someone at my weight can lose weight. Mm. And I showed them. So, you know, it was pretty impressive yeah. to say. You know, hey, no, that would be good for the che- community. Check out the six-pack, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's Now, I did say to people straight away, this is not something that I want to maintain because it's um, I don't want to do cardio that much and walk every single day. Well, I walk every day, but I don't want to like be constantly thinking, oh, my God, I've got to get th- you know, 15,000 steps, a little bit more sometimes. That's not a lifestyle I want to – but I have a goal. Hmm. You know, I, wanna, I want it to be the first hijabi to be an Iron Maiden and, you know – it's in the, like I said, it's in the SFG. So for people who don't know, SFG is, um, it's, it stands for Strong First. Um, it's a Russian kettlebell certification. Um, it's worldwide. It's one of the highest standards of kettlebell training in the world. And I had certified as SFG1 and I was going to assist to help other people certify. Mm. So I was selected as an assistant. Um, and on that day I went to, I said, you know what, three, four months I'm going to, I'm going to attempt the Iron Maiden challenge. And in my head, it was bring your body weight down. So I didn't care if I lost muscle, although I didn't lose muscle. I gained a bit. Mm. In my head, I needed my weight down now. It wasn't about muscle or fat loss. It was I needed my weight down. I needed the scale to come down because mm. in my head, it was if I weigh less, then I can pull more. Mm. But I lost strength. Mm-hmm. 
So Which is normal. Yeah. yeah, whenever you're in a caloric deficit, especially for that long yeah. three months, you're going to lose yeah. some strength. Is strength. that Paval's company? Strong yes, correct. Yeah, Paval. Oh, yeah. subhanAllah. Yeah, so I, one of my friends and I. I'm not, I'm not a big kettlebell person there. Yeah. I just, sometimes we um, we overthink the form and stuff like that. But I, I've li- listened to hours of him. Okay, that's interesting. Maybe off topic. It might be a bit advanced for people. But that'll be uh, interesting to delve into with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to just to even just to go back on a topic we've spoken about. One of the most common questions you said you get is how do I lose weight? You know, a lot of times sisters are going to come. That's the first thing they'll ask. And one other thing is also how do I keep the weight off? Yeah. Because I've seen a lot of people do crazy weight transformations. Yeah. And then six months later, they're back to the original. And I'm like, how do you lose 30 and then add 30 back on yeah. in like one year or two years? So. What's uh, your thoughts on Thankfully, that? Thankfully, I can say that it doesn't happen in our community often unless, you know, someone diverts my path that I've given. Um, but when someone comes to me and says, Amal, I want to lose weight, um, whether we're, we could have a bulk challenge and it's all individualised. So we look at the person as an individual, we look at their lifestyle, what they're capable of, and we set them goals. And we say, hey, look, we're going to put you in a calorie deficit. Do you want me to explain what a calorie deficit is? Yeah, why not? Just yeah. So a calorie deficit is um, burning more than what you're taking. So food has energy and we, we move and we create energy and we burn energy. So a calorie deficit means um, being in a negative, um, a negative energy, state of negative energy. And um, if you are in a deficit, you will lose weight. And then I have women who say, but I was in a calorie deficit and I didn't lose weight. I'd be like, well, then you weren't in a calorie deficit. And then I help women try and figure out what their calorie deficit is. So um, we can use formulas, and that's what I do. I, I'll use a formula. I'll be like, well, how active are you? How many steps do you get per day? How many days a week are you training? How much do you weigh? I'll use a formula. You know what? Based on those figures, I'm going to give you 13 calories per pound of body weight. This is how much you're allowed to eat. And chances are that number will be about 2,000 average I'll start someone on 2,000 calories for their calorie deficit. And they'll be like, what? No, I'm not going to lose weight at 2,000. I'll be like, well, hang on, how did you put that weight on, do you think? Mm. Chances are you were probably eating three to 4,000 calories average per day. So if I've put you down to 2,000, that's already a 1,000 calorie deficit. You should lose a kilo a week. Are you sure? And I said, yep, 2,000. Let's start there. You're going to weigh yourself. How many times a week do you like to weigh yourself? You want to check in three times a week? Weigh yourself three times a week. We'll pull the average. Have you lost weight? No? Well, that wasn't your deficit. Maybe there's some hormonal issues. We can figure that out. Let's try 1,900. Start losing weight. Cool. All right. Let's stay there until we don't lose weight, until we plateau. Once things start to stagnate, come and see me. Amal, it's been three weeks. I lost four kilos, but now nothing's budging. Sure. Let's go to 18. Let's keep. Do you want to eat more? Sure. Let's get your steps up. Let's keep you on 19. Let's get your steps up. Or maybe we'll add a class. Let's see how that goes, what changes it makes. That works. Always does. Mm. So I've helped women go from anywhere between 18,000 to 2,000 calories as a starting point, drop no lower than maybe 1,600 by the end. And then there's, there's two ways to reverse diet. So they come to me and say, okay, I'm done dieting. I've reached my goal. How do I get out of this? You can go, I'll tell you what your maintenance is. Based on your current weight right now, this is your maintenance. If you stick to this allowance, then... Throughout the week as well. Yeah. yeah. There's reverse dieting where people gradually start to increase calories. Not necessary. If I say to you, all right, on your current weight, you weigh 60 kilos. And based on those 60 kilos, this should be your maintenance. But I want you to weigh yourself at least three times a week. And then 
well, take a look at that number. If that number stays the same, then those are your maintenance calories. If that number is going down, you're still in a deficit. So we, we, there's constant check-ins with our members, mm. constantly checking in with them to see that. You know, that's why I said the scale's a tool and it needs to be used mm. because, you know, there's, there's that whole um, stigma with, um, you know, throw away the scale because, you know, yes, in my case, when I was 65 doing just cardio, but with our people, you know, they've already built enough muscle, they've been training for years, they're not going to build much more. When you want to lose weight, that, not, that scale needs to change. Yeah. That scale needs to drop. You know, people say, oh, but I've lost centimetres. Well, if you've lost centimetres, trust me, you've been training for three years, you're not going to put on more than a kilo of muscle. It's really hard to build muscle. So women who think about bulking up, it's not, I wish I could put on more muscle. It's so damn hard. And I mm. lift heavy and I lift with... As a natural, there's, you, hit, you hit a ceiling. And you, nothing you, you, can you can't, that's yeah, it. I'm, I'm never going to build more muscle than what I have. Mm. You know, so that scale needs to drop if you're trying to lose weight. And then how do we maintain it? Come and see me and we're going to get you to maintenance. There's two ways. Do you want to gradually increase or do you want to go straight to maintenance? And you just got to check in with me every week. Because what's, what's the damage that's going to happen in one week? Not much. If, I've, if my maintenance has, if I've overestimated, she's probably going to put on a half a kilo. Mm. Like, oh, maybe, you know, to be a little bit too high, we'll just adjust that a little bit for you. So I, I base everything off um, outcomes and then I intervene based on... Yeah, it's a trial and error approach. Yeah. A lot of people do recommend yeah. that. How about, because obviously you're saying people are doing the strength and conditioning training with you, because a lot of people even, uh, we asked um, some of our audience and they said, you know, I have a really busy life, you know, I can't fit it in. Is there a certain number of workouts you recommend a week? Because here you're saying like three, four. Is there oh. like a bare minimum you'd say? If you can only give one, then do one. If you can give five, you give five. There, I, I think when it comes to um, strength training or introducing someone, First thing I say to people is, like, they'll say, how many days a week do I need to train? And I say, what can you do? How much can you give? How much can you... I can tell you, I want you in here five days a week. But if you can't do it, that's going to overwhelm you and you're going to quit before you even walk you through that door. So what can you do? What is attainable for you right now? Two days a week? Great. For these two days a week, this is what I want you to do. And outside of the gym, this is what you can do. But we can lose weight with diet alone. It's mm, true. Right? It's, it's probably harder. Obviously, weight training does, you know, progress those results a lot quicker. But if people aren't able to get to the gym because, you know, work, lifestyle, kids, you know, whatever it is, then you've got to work within their means. So one day a week, great. It's better than nothing. It's a start. It's going to build that momentum and that habit. Once they fall in love with it, they'll make the time for two times a week. Mm. You know, and if someone comes to you and they say, I can do five, five days a week, I'll be like, look, hey, it's your first week. Let's do three. That's it, because you're going to be sore. We'll see how that goes. Uh, when you're ready to introduce something, you know, another day, I'll tell you where to go. But, you know, slow and steady. And I don't like to overwhelm with too many, you know, uh, new habits. I want you to join the gym. I want you to, you know, train three times a week. I want you to, you know, start counting calories. and do to Make sure you're hitting like 10,000, 15,000 steps. And, 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 and cut out sugar. And yeah. I want 20,000 steps today. And you've got to do cardio three times a week. And... You're not allowed to eat carbs and um, I don't do that. Mm. You know, someone will come up to me and say, uh, actually, I had a member this morning and she asked me, her question was, it was about the classes and I said, I won't say her name, and I said, well, right now what can you do? She said, well, you know, I'm managing three to four days a week. 
I said, and how are you feeling? And she said, I'm feeling good. She said, do I need to start dieting? And I said, you're new to training, right? She said, yeah. I said, well, right now let's master these three to four days. I said, because chances are for someone who's never trained, this is a shock to your system. You're going to lose weight. Hang on a second. You're not subscribed. Can you do me a favour? Run that mouse or your finger to the bottom there. Click that subscribe button. Turn on that notification bell as well. Thank you. So let's master this. And then when you stagnate, we can then start to look at your next path, whether it's you know a calorie deficit. But just quickly speaking, just eat more protein and quit the snack. Mm. That's always always say that. Eat more protein and quit the snack. Mm. Doesn't overwhelm them. Because one of the biggest things I've seen in this industry is people get overwhelmed with so many things being thrown at them and it's overwhelming. They can't sustain it. I think and even there's a lot of difference of opinion on things. Like, for example, there's all these new fad diets that come out. Like, yeah. you know, I see with my uncles and whoever they talk about, like, I did keto, intermittent fasting and this diet and that diet. And these are the diets that are going to help me get all my results. And then you just keep hearing different philosophies and it gets becomes overwhelming. It's like, oh, I'm not doing keto, so I must not be getting results. And then I'm yeah. not doing this. And a lot of times that's what it is. Yeah. At least like what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things like with – we'll touch on keto very quickly is one of the biggest things you'll see with keto and a lot of um, trainers put people on a keto diet because it gives them some sort of recognition because the client will lose weight within the first week up to six kilos. Yeah, it's usually huge. Right, it's huge. And then that client feels empowered and, hey, you know, you're doing a great job. I've just lost six kilos in one week. Good on you. Keep going, right? And then it stagnates very quickly. Why? Because the first thing that's going to get depleted is your glycogen stores. So when we eat carbohydrates, our body absorbs that those carbs, those sugars into glycogen and that holds water. And the moment you cut out carbohydrates, you use all those potential energy, you get depleted. So or you lose all that water. So when you go on keto, what are you doing? You're cutting out carbs. And your body will hold average six kilos of water. So you do keto, mm. you lose six kilos. You haven't lost no fat yet. Yeah. You've lost weight. Now, maybe for Iron Maiden, it would have been good, no joke. <laughs> <laughs> you get my point? Yeah, yeah so all, for sure. all these fad diets, they're, you know, whether it's, um, I always say to people, you know, people say, Emma, what do you think of keto? I'll be like, do you enjoy not eating carbs? Because if you don't enjoy carbs and you enjoy eating, you enjoy eating more fat and protein, go ahead. If that's for the rest of your life, do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. I don't recommend it because as a female, carbohydrates are really important. For males as well, but like we're talking for females with their menstrual cycles, it's crucial that we're mm-hmm. consuming carbohydrates and fat and protein. So you'd say with people that uh, have a busy life, it's like even just do the bare minimum. 100%. So that's what it is. So it's like whatever you can do, do. Whatever you can do, do. Don't let anyone tell you like you have to do three days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you can do. If it starts with walking, going out for that walk, go for the walk. If and that's all you can do, go do a walk. And if people say they can't, for example, their goal is to lose weight. If people say, I can't even do one workout and I'm super busy, would you just say caloric deficit? Literally, like you said before. Yeah, yep. I do say to people, like... You can do one day. It's <laughs> it's half an hour even yeah. of uh, 160 hours in a week. Like, uh, you know? I was about to say, thank you. you uh, sorry. Words. I was about <laughs> to say, we've got 24 hours in a day. And how often, like how many hours do you work a day? The average person, eight hours? Eight, yeah. Okay. So we're left with 16, 16 hours. We sleep for how much? The average person doesn't sleep for eight, yeah. six to seven, right? How much are we left with? So you're telling me in the, the remaining eight hours 
that you can't find one hour for yourself, for your mental health, for your physical health, for your emotional well-being. You can't find one hour. This is how I break it down for a lot of people. Like once a week because you're only asleep Mm. for eight hours. You're only working for eight hours. Mm. There's still a lot in the bank there. It's true. Yeah. 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 So that's how I break it down for some people. But, you know, you get those people who think they want that. They think that, yes, I want to lose weight and, yes, I want to be healthy, but it's hard work. Especially at the start, yeah. It's hard work. Dieting is hard. Exercise is hard, especially when you're starting out, you know. And unless you've got that mental grit to keep showing up, a lot of people quit beforehand. Yeah, I was going to ask because uh, we know like in the gym culture, I think they say like Jan 1st or the month of January, everyone's yeah, signing up. Yeah. You probably have the same thing at yeah. your gym. Everyone's excited, you know, after Ramadan, New Year's, whatever it is. It's like, okay, boom, I'm going to, I'm motivated and they come for the first week. Yeah. What do you do to keep your clients? Um, That's one of the hardest things that we face, like as a gym owner. Um, we try to keep like doing events in the gym, um, you know, popping up little uh, challenges here, weight loss challenges there. But even like I said, when it even comes to our challenges, we don't do a lot of them um, because I like to create, within our community, like, healthier approaches to, like, you don't always need a challenge to get your results, like, a weight loss challenge as a whole. But when we do them, we do them in a healthy, individualised manner. Um, but, you know, people are going to fall off, whether we like it or not. You know, I'm a gym owner, and if any other gym is going to sit here and tell me, no, I retain all my members, I call that BS. Because it's one of the hardest things to do is retain everyone. You can't, as much as you try, you can't motivate every single person. I'm not for every single soul. You know, what we've got to remember is not everyone is going to like us. You know, as a trainer, she's got her favourites. You know, I've got three other coaches and there's myself. And people always favour someone or they don't favour anyone. So we try our best to use the method. You know, obviously our, our approach is healthy, sustainable, Um People just don't have the mental grip for it. And no matter what you do, you can't change them unless they're willing to change. Mm. They have to be willing to change. And I always say every day, alhamdulillah, I feel like what I have is a gift. When people ask me, how long have you been in the fitness industry? And I say, if we say 14 years, um, like, wow, how, like, how did you stay motivated? Well, I say, alhamdulillah, I've just been given the willpower to keep showing up. I don't know. There's... If you don't have it, I feel blessed. Mm. I feel very blessed that Allah has given me this will to always show up because uh, there's nothing like it. For me, um, fitness has um, given me freedom. It's empowered me. Um, it's you know, confidence, self-esteem. I'm a completely different person today than what I was you know, in my teenage years. I was a very shy, very timid person. And um, you know, I've still got... Not so much. I don't have social anxiety or anything like that. I can be around people and talk. But, you know, on the I don't like talking to a camera. I don't like putting my phone there and talking to, you know, I, I don't enjoy it. I don't – it's hard. I haven't gotten good at it yet. I may never get good at it. That's okay. That's my challenge. You know, some people say, but, you know, you can do it. You know, it's – um, you can. Just just keep trying. And it's similar to me saying to someone, just just keep trying to show up to the gym. That's mm. true. You know, it's how much you want something. Do I really want to get good at it? Mm. I mean, I say I do, but am I trying? It's like, you know, training. 
Yeah, it's true. And I know, especially the first couple of months, like when you're trying to get your friend to come to the gym, you have to push them the first couple of months. Yeah. And then they might hit a moment where they'll just go themselves. Yeah. But it's that, it's that, you know, early stages. It's it's a very hard thing to do. And like you said, motiva- motivation is going to die. Discipline is going to get you there. Yeah. And you yeah. can't make someone disciplined. Like really, no, you, you can can't. push it. You, you have a community. Most of us, when we go, we just have our friends. We have group chats. But for you guys, even with the community, it's such a like a close-knit, and if that's not enough, it's really, it's just an internal battle. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, you can, like I said, you can try as much as you want. And, you know, like I say to you, I I preach it as it, as it is. I preach it the way it should be. I preach, you know, like I, I get really upset when I see people in the industry um, sending the wrong messages to the youth, sending the wrong messages to women. Um, I get really upset about it but, and the thing is I don't get vocal with it on socials like I wish I had that confidence to stand up and go that's a total BS like you know you can do this and you can do that and I promise you um, you know so f- it's um, I-, I wish I had that to, to help people but no matter how much if someone doesn't want it enough they're not going to make that change mm. something will trigger them you know, for me, I felt the way I felt and I was like, wow, there, there was just a spark. And I just was like, you know, I've got to help people. I, I figured it out. I've got to help people. I think it's the C4. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whatever that was, it was, yeah. yeah. But, like, that was obviously two years later, yeah. um, becoming a PT. But I was like, I want to I want to help people mm. down the right path. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe on that topic of PTs, we know a lot of PTs that are, like, young in their 20s. You know, and a lot of times they don't have the years of experience as you. You know, that's where sometimes the three, four years they went to the gym and they're like, now nah, I'm a PT. And now the subhanAllah, they were successful and they have their own gym. Is this, is there a perspective you see with the younger generation when they are PTs that they're spreading knowledge and you someone who has over 10 years, you know, of training, life experience, you've had children, you know what, it, you know, yep. how your body is. Do you see a big difference between the young PTs and someone a bit more experienced? 100%, 100%. I think a lot of the young PTs coming out today, and this is, uh, you know, a lot of them, not obviously all of them, they're, you know, and I'm speaking with females, yeah, because I've only worked with um, females. So I'm not going to go into males here. But um, when I say the females, there's a trend, right, to become a PT. I think there's um, there's this big um, stigma with thinking that people are going to make a lot of money um, being a PT, and and there isn't a lot of money in personal training um, unless you've got those years and years of experience. So they come out there, they go do their certs online, and bang, they're a PT. Um, the best advice if you want to be a good PT is um, volunteer your time, go out, chase those really good gyms, and learn from them. Because your Cert 3 online is giving you nothing, absolutely nothing. Textbook standards, the, the industry has evolved way more than that today. We've come way far than what the textbooks are telling us. So if you're following those, you know, I, I train a lot of PTs that come and train at Body Sculpt Sisters and, you know, I'll be like, hey, you know, I'm going to get you to do it like this. And they'll be like, no, 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 but your knees can't go over your toes. Yeah, they can. Just, just do it. Mm. You know, and then I'll cue them through, you know, some movements, do some assessments. And they're shocked and they're learning and they're open to learn. So they don't come in with an ego. Be willing to learn. Um, there's a big difference. The young generation now, it's, like I said, textbook standard. Probably don't even know much about the textbook standard themselves. They've certified online. Someone probably helped them halfway through. There's a big difference between someone who has just qualified to someone who's got 10 years' experience. For me, it's, um, yes, there's credentials. Yes, there's experience. But 
and there's a willingness to always be open to learn. For me, I always want to learn. I never say that I've finished. I've always, we use it and we use it in um, SFG is that we are students of strength. We're always learning every single day. I learn from everyone. I learn from my clients. I learn from social media. I learn from reading books. I learn from listening to podcasts. I'm always learning and I'm always changing methods because I'm experimenting. You know, did it work? Let's do this. Um, so that that's really important is to always be, you know, drop the ego and be willing and open to, to take on criticism, feedback. Put yourself out there. Go to some gyms, train there, learn from them. Learn from good people. Learn from people in the industry um, that have got years and years and years of experience. Mm. Okay. Yeah. SubhanAllah. That's a, it's, I think it's a mindset that not just PTs can have, but we all can have. Because sometimes we watch a couple of YouTube videos on and one guy tells you this is the correct form when you do a bench or when you do this exercise, like a squat. Squat, people are always, you know, deadlift, that kind of thing. And he's like, no, this is the correct way. And then you watch like 20 other... There's always a difference of yeah. opinion. They're Obviously, boys. there's a lot of correct ways to do it and a lot of incorrect ways. Correct. And you should go to someone you do trust. But it's one of those things where sometimes you just think it's this way or no way. No. Which is obviously wrong. You've got to, and I think that's an, another thing about myself is that I've always um, enjoyed exploring all, all modalities. So when we think of, um, you know, things that I've explored in my 10 years, so I became Cert 3 certified, I became Cert 4 certified. So that's your PT. Cert 3 is fitness instructor, Cert 4 is personal trainer. Started working in the industry, worked in a commercial space, a female commercial space. Um, from there, I started um, branching out and doing weekend courses, you know, kettlebell courses, TRX courses, um, attending fitness exhibitions, doing you know three-hour workshops here and there, learning online, whatnot. Then it was realizing, you know, that doing a lot of this stuff, there was always that there was that system, and that was the only way that you should do things. I was like, but. But I like, like I, I did something in that course, but I like that system too. And then it was just using logic. I was like, that works. That works. And this works. So I'm going to pull what I like from each and every system and say to people, you know, the body is adaptable to so many ways. Like there's so much we can do. And recently I've been exploring old school lifting, so odd lifts. Um, cops a lot of slack because of the, you know, Spinal flexion, um, a lot of bending, a lot of there's there's a lot of rotation. People are like, oh, don't rotate, you know, you're gonna break your back. Um, so I've been exploring a lot of odd lifts and um, prepping our community for it as well, and they're loving it. They're exploring like yeah. crazy stuff, you know. If you if you look at my social media, things like picking up a barbell, a heavy barbell off the floor and putting it on your back and squatting, no squat rack. You know, our mm. our women are doing that. You know, snatching know. a barbell with one arm. Um, Damn. You know, there's yeah. it's all about knowing how to prep them, introducing introducing things to them slowly, effectively. Good communication, that's key. Communication mm. is key. Um, and then just ha knowing how to apply it. And I do it safely, alhamdulillah. We, we get the odd injury. Look, in fitness, you, s you walk into my gym, you're prone to an injury. You're prone to stepping over something and falling and breaking your neck, right? You're going to get injured in everyday life. I've been injured deadlifting. Um, I got injured this time last year, so I have a condition called Raynaud's. It's an autoimmune, um, so my hands and feet go like they when I'm nervous, they go very cold. So my feet are very cold right now um, from the nervousness, but that's quite normal. Uh, normal but not normal. But um, 
it was winter, it was Ramadan and I woke up at 6am and I started the deadlift session and I didn't warm up enough. So I was doing a 100 kilo RDL and I my fingers were still quite cold and um, I lost grip of the bar and rather than just letting the bar go, I went to re-grip and the bar jolted me forward mm. and I hurt my back and I, was, I went oh. into hospital. Um, but I didn't hurt my back because I was deadlifting incorrectly. I hurt my – I got injured because of a freak accident, you know. Mm. I, now I use – you know, when I'm cold, I use stra- uh, wraps. Yeah. Yep. I'll use chalk, depending on the condition in the moment. How do I feel right now? Do I need do I need a wrap? Do I need – and I'll make those decisions based on outcomes. But, yeah, I hurt myself and I was in hospital and the physio there said to me, why were you deadlifting 100 kilos? I said, because I enjoy it. <laughs> Because he ha- probably can't. You you yeah, you, you have yeah. you have no reason, and I said yeah. I absolutely have one hundred percent of a reason. Mm. I enjoy it. People ask me every day, why do you do the things you do? Because I enjoy them, mm. and if I enjoy something, it's going to make me happy. I'm happy. Everyone around me is going to be happy. So I'm going to keep lifting heavy, and if I hurt myself, I'll pick myself back up and I'll keep trying until one day, if I'm crippled, then that's another story. But I enjoy it. And he said to me, well, we're going to do your MRI. And they came back and they said, you've got L4, L5 and S1. That um, you got uh, – he didn't give me the exact words. I had read the report and I knew that I had L4. If you scan the whole population, chances are 90% of, you know, adults will have L4 and 5. That's mild degenerative. Um, Every liver's got one. Everyone, got yeah. Right? So he said to it's me, you know, L4, L5 and S1. There's uh, in those locations there is, well the report said it was degenerative. I had that ten years ago. So at this point now I knew it was muscular. So whatever I was suffering was neural, um, and it was extremely bad. And I couldn't walk. I went home, and the next day, I said to myself, the only thing that's going to heal me is blood. So I'm going to go for a walk. And in the moment, I went, okay, I'm out in public. I can barely walk. Better go home. 1.8 k's in. I'm about to drop to the ground. Not such a great Mm. idea, but let's walk back home. So I walked home really slowly. I felt better. But the next day, I said, you know what? You're going to go out and you're going to walk again. So walking is going to encourage blood flow. Blood flow is going to heal the area. So I walked again. I walked about 2.5. Oh, my God, I've done it again. Why did I go out for a walk? Go back home. So I went back home. I did that every day until I reached 5Ks again. And about four or five weeks later, and it was a really, really bad injury. And obviously I was mobilising, I was doing my flexibility training. Not to max degree, but like I was incorporating a little bit of mobilisation. And about four to six weeks later, I was deadlifting 100 kilos again. And I put on Instagram and I said, and the physio told me to never lift over 10 kilos ever again. 10 kilos. 10 kilos. He said, you don't need to. 10 kilos is enough and you're not an athlete. And you're not, you know, you have no reason mm. to lift more than that. And I said, can I just have my report and I just want to go home. Four to five weeks. I let him say what he wanted. I didn't argue with him because yeah. I know you can't change. Like the first thing, um, I had a, a member, God bless her, um, she fell off a horse and she injured herself. Um, again, she sent me her scan and she was freaking out. Her friend contacted me and said, hey, did you hear about so-and-so's scan? It's really bad. I said, no, it's not. What do you mean? I said, 
you scan. It's, it's exactly like my scan. She's fine. That's actually not from her fall from the horse. She's hurt herself. You know, she's grazed her face and whatnot. She has hurt herself, but she hasn't ruptured anything. Just maybe a neural, a little bit of bruising maybe to the muscle. I don't know what happened. It's internal. I can't tell. But the scan is absolutely fine. I told her, I want you to walk. You don't have to return to the gym yet. Just just walk and I promise you, you'll be fine. She was back at the gym in about four weeks, four or six weeks. And then she was hesitant. I said, you being so nervous is going to create an injury. You're fine. Mm. I would not. You're a liability. <laughs> I would not prescribe something I'm not certain about. You can deadlift just fine. Go back to your deadlifting. And, you know, she's yeah. there and she's. So I've taught her something new. She, I've taught her something about herself. Taught her something about when the doctors tell you don't ever lift again or don't, don't go rest, don't train. Mm. The worst thing people can do after an injury. Now, obviously, they're... Uh, Disclaimer here, yeah. Don't you know if you're injured, go talk to your doctor. But yeah. Like you've got to know your limits. But that yeah. was that was my experience with a severe injury. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like I said, um, that was four six was four to six weeks later, and I was deadlifting hundred again, and I got to one thirty five for three reps um, about three months ago. You know, I was doing pull ups with you know twenty four kilos strapped around me and. Do muscle ups. Even doing one pull up, sister, like, subhanAllah. You know, like, um, I, go, I go to the gym with people that can't do it. And obviously, as a guy. Do, you know do you know how many women I've um, taught how to do pull ups? With, with weight? I've got women who do it with weight. With, with weight, it would take years. Like, I, I, no. there's not a lot of people I train I in the gym that do weight. I do weighted pull ups, um, but there's not a lot of people I go to the gym with that do weight. I, I have a member who was at a female gym. This was in the last 12 months. And she's Nick Obby, right? amazing like what's underneath a <laughs> <laughs> woman yeah. and she came oh to me and you know she came from another gym and she said um they were very intimidated very scared because that's one of the biggest things about body sculpt sisters is oh my god that's scary you don't go mm. there they <laughs> all lift heavy and they you know they're bulky and anyway mm. finally built the courage she came in and she saw all our you know members training for pull-ups and she said i want to pull up and it was three months later that i got her <coughs> her first pull-up which within weeks went to five Damn. Five pull-ups. No, sorry, like weeks. I'm just, I'm just surprised. Three months. Yeah. One pull-up. Three months. One pull-up, and weeks later, five. Mashallah. Yeah. I have Damn. women who strap weights around their waist. We, we again, we can't film them, right? It doesn't yeah, do justice. Course, yeah. To, yeah. Um, we have our women doing pistol squats. That's so hard. Um, pistol squats are. You know how many yeah. I have? Oh. Even just doing body weight is tough. Yeah. Like, no, I've, they, I've, yeah. I've got a couple of women who have gotten up to 28 kilos. 28 kilo pistols. Um, Push-ups, we don't let the girls go on their knees. We're like, we're going to set up some bars and we're going to start on number 17. And then each week, you're going to see how far you can get down that squat rack. Mm. And then eventually you're going to get down to the ground. And then, then So watch no knees as well, because obviously that's normally what's... Uh, encouraged. We teach them how to. We teach them. We teach them where their limits are. If it's a flexibility limitation, we'll improve their shoulder flexibility. Mm. We'll give them that. So you try. You don't just do obviously with strength training. There's the cardio, flexibility, mobility. You try to we we, a we well balanced approach. Yep. We we do it in ways. So our programming is we throw in um, exercise. So we kind of like sneak them in. So we'll put in like. A flexibility exercise that's going to improve their pull-ups or their push-ups without them knowing they're doing mobility because mobility is quite boring. Yeah, yeah, and if yeah. I said, "Hey, this is a mobility class," they're going to be like, "But I just want to burn calories and sweat." Mm. But you know, if you squat better and if you push up better, you're going to burn more calories. So, 
Um, we do that in a way, so a lot of our programming is, it's very advanced, but because our groups are small, we're able to do it. Um, so you can yeah, customise so it for the class, yeah. Ma- the majority of our girls are like full chest to ground uh, push-ups. Mashallah. Yeah, so, and then they see what I do on social media and then they'll be like, Amal, that thing you're doing, can, can we learn that? I'll be like, absolutely. Mm. You, know, you want to do it? Sure, next block. So we have mm. training blocks. Next block, we'll incorporate it. I'll start to prep you and, yep, we're going to... We're going to get you your first pull-up or we're going to get you first whatever you want, whatever your goal is. Now, I've had people who say to me, I want to pull up, but they haven't been as consistent as the girl who got it in three months, you know, because she said to me I wanted to pull up. She really wanted to pull up. She came to every class that would work the pull-up. Mm-hmm. So we started her on the ground. We said, you're going to sit on the ground, you're going to grab that bar and you're going, your feet are going to assist you in that pull-up. She started there and she worked her way up to the bar. We got her to the negatives and we got her a pull-up. She showed up and that's what's key there is consistency and showing up. And I have people who say, I want to pull up and they haven't got it yet. It's been six years. Did they really want the pull-up? You know, if some people can get it and some people can't, what's the the reasoning there? It's because they haven't been consistent. And they'll own that. They'll say, I haven't been consistent. Mm. So the difference between the people that are getting results in all areas, if it's the strength goals or even the weight Lost transformation, the it's just consistency. A hundred percent. Okay, that's what it comes down to. Mm. Uh, and how's it been with, um, in terms of clients for older older ages, because it can really be. I think it is in terms of strength training, because obviously like family members we have as well, or like even just hearing in our like community that like you come to a certain age, men included, that strength training is not for me. Strength training, oh, I can't do that because I'm not young again. I'm gonna um I'm gonna use my mum as an example. Um, and uh, have you ever heard of a Turkish get-up? No. It's in oh, kettlebell. from the floor. From the floor. Yeah, Turkish okay. get-up. And every time I program a Turkish get-up for our members, they're like, Amal, why are you making us do that? Apart from the fact that it's got, you know, all the shoulder stability, hip mobility, there's a lot of flexibility to the hamstrings and, you know, core and you can go on. It's so much bang for your buck. Being efficient, moving weight overhead, yada, yada. The Turks invented it, the wrestlers, I think, it stemmed from there bit of history about it but Turkish get up why are we doing it and then I'm like I don't give them all those technical things I'm like I want to tell you a story my mum uh after my dad passed away my mum became it was almost like a flick of a switch independent mode uh, dependent mode on her children you know the very Arab mentality we have kids we raise them now they can look after us my dad passed away so my mum um would you know come and stay with you know, I've got, like, my brothers and that, and so she would rotate and she would come and stay with me. And um, So this was a couple of years ago. It was actually, I was still working from home, so about four years ago. And she got out of the shower and she slipped outside near... There was, um, there was like, a mattress on the floor and she fell on the mattress. She's like, you know, Amel, Amel, come and help me. I'm like, what's wrong? She goes, I fell. And I'm like, get up. She goes, I can't. <laughs> She's cursing me. Help me. I'm like, no, get up now. I said, I want you to figure out how you're going to get up off the floor. And um, that was four years ago. Took her about ten minutes and she figured out and she got off. Maneuvered this way, to the left, to the right. Used a bit of the wall, used a bit of the mattress and she got up. Every time I would say to my mum, I'm going to help you get stronger. But I want you to be fit because I'm not going to get you running or anything. You know, you're in your 70s or 60s, 70s. You're in your 70s. You know, but I want you to be strong so that... You don't have to rely on anybody for your everyday life. 
and she would do things. I'd, I'd do simple things, sit and stand. You know, there's a chair, I want you to sit down and I want you to stand up. Maybe I'll give you a weight. Maybe I'll give her some bicep curls. Maybe I'll give her some band pull aparts. Work her back muscles. The next day she's sore. Oh, what are you doing to me? You're trying to kill me? Well, I'm just trying to make you strong. Yeah. I just want you to live, yeah. you know, I want you to live happier. I can't make you live longer, but we can, you know, improve our way of living. Quality, yeah. Quality of life. And she was never convinced. So four years passed. My mum is extremely fragile. She's 81. She's extremely fragile. And the other day... Um, she was staying at her own house and my brother lives two doors down and she had a fall. And um, she couldn't reach her phone. She couldn't get up. She's laid there for two to three hours waiting for my brother to come and open the door and find her lying there. She was crying. She was upset at herself. She was upset that there was no one there to help her. Now, if that could have been 24 hours. You know, that could have been her, you know, urinating on herself pieces, you name it. That was two to three hours. She was fortunate, alhamdulillah. But she could not move. Why? She lost the ability. Her body doesn't know how to sit, to stand, to manoeuvre around off the ground. So what I say to people is all types of training is functional training. Do things that are going to improve your daily life. Things like, you know, getting... You see a lot of our parents, they can't get off the... Or our grandparents, in your cases, use a... You know, a lot younger than me, but getting off the couch and really struggling. They shouldn't be like that. There's no reason. It's just because the lack of movement has taken away all these abilities. So keep doing the things that you want to keep doing for the rest of your life. You want to keep tying your shoelaces? Then you need to keep hinging. You need to keep improving that ham hamstring flexibility. You know, you want to keep putting things up on the top of that shelf? Then you need to keep pressing. You want to get off the floor, you need to do some Turkish get-ups. I'm serious. And there are many stories of older ladies who fall and break their hip because they don't weight train because of weak, brittle bro bones. You know, we weight train to improve our bone density. Lack of it creates osteoporosis. And then as you get older and you have a fall, you break a hip, you become unable. And I, I, I think that was in a nutshell... No. The importance of strength training for it the is. elderly. And it's at all ages. It's just you'd have to tailor it for their age, for their overall 100%. health. But you're not, not never too old, but never you're never old. too late to start that training, even if it's at a bare minimum. My mom like you said, sitting and standing. My mum, at the age of 81, extremely fragile, is not too late. But you need to convince up there. Mm. And you're not going to change her mindset. But if she woke up one day and said, you know what? I want to change. She's not going to be a power lifter, but she'd probably improve her getting off the chair, probably improve getting off the floor, things like that. And it's just basic movements, some band pull-aparts, sitting on a chair and standing up. She has sciatic pain. And I said, Mum, your pain's getting worse because of the lack of movement. And this was only in the last few months. And she said, the doctor said, I need this medication and that medication. Of course, that's what a doctor, that's, that's the easier way out mm. for a doctor. I said, mum, you don't need to do all of this. All you need to do is move. You need to walk up and down your corridor. When you come over, walk up and down the stairs. You need to do things. You need to move your body. And so I gave her a chair, two chairs, one in front of the other. And I got her to hold on to one chair. 
And I said, now that's your support. I just want you to sit to stand 10 reps and I want you to do three sets. She's Wallahi, I'm not lying. She's like, oh, my pain's gone. Just that bit of movement. Mm. Wallahi. And she, and now, maybe it had a placebo effect, thinking that I'm giving her something. But hey, if placebo works, do it. Yeah. Right? But that's all I did. And that instantly gave her relief. And I always say to her, Mum, when you're feeling pain, you just need to move. And I try and explain it to her, but it's so hard. You've got to remember, she came here when she was 40, doesn't speak a word of English, didn't have friends, didn't get out, cooked and cleaned for the, for the family, and that's all she knows. So when we tell her things, I tell her things, who told you that? Mum, I know these things because I've studied and you know, I've practised on myself, on you know, people. But who told you? Did the doctor tell Yeah, Mum, the doctor told me. Okay, we'll believe the doctor. Yeah. It's interesting that someone even at your level who has their own gym, you have kids, you have, you know, your own mum who still won't take the advice from you. Yeah. Because obviously like someone else who just watches YouTube videos and trains at the gym, they start telling everyone, you know, close to them, their own siblings, their parents, like, hey, the importance of gym or, you know, just strength training, being um, having a healthy lifestyle and they don't take it from you. But even no. someone at your level no. who's, you know, so subhanAllah. That's I don't so think my mum quite understands the level itself. Um, I wish she did. I wish she took it more seriously because she's just going to have a more enjoyable life. Um, you know, I saw the way my dad died and, you know, one of the reasons which I didn't touch on to really wake me up as well was seeing how he died. Um, it was a wake-up call um, to sort of go, you know, we need to look after ourselves, you know, diabetes, heart failure, mm. kidney failure. You don't want that, you know. So look after your health well-being it's super important and not just that so if we put health aside right now and we just think of the mental health like how good do you i'm sure you all you boys lift mm. yeah how good do you feel after a session best on top of the world undescribable. Mm. it is undescribable and that is the the hormone releases you know the endorphins the dopamine and you feel good and when you hit a pr how amazing do you feel you're good enough we're not powerlifters we're mm. not olympians we're not athletes we are our own athletes. We're everyday athletes. But how good do you feel? You feel on top of the world. Why? Because you do. And I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because it makes me feel damn good. Now, I've had a lot of people in my time say to me, you know, you're not an athlete or, you know, if you stop doing what you're doing, it's just going to turn into fat. And I was like, well, no. Muscle doesn't turn into fat. Muscle is a cell and fat is a cell. If I stop what I'm doing, I will lose muscle mass and I'll probably gain fat because of lack of activity. But I'm not going to stop what I'm doing unless Allah decides to take that away from me for whatever reason. Mm. By choice, I'm going to take it to my grave. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> you know, that's what I uh, say to people all the time. Yeah, it's true, it's true. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, we ha we're going to have to obviously wrap it up. There's one question that um, a lot of people did ask on Instagram. I was trying to fit it in, but there was... Uh, I think there's too many questions, but if I don't touch on this... Okay, go yeah, ahead. Uh, it's more just about the sisters were asking about training around their cycle. Yeah. Because obviously that can be a difficult thing for a lot of people yeah. to maintain consistency because obviously everything's up and down. Yeah. So what do you normally recommend for your clients? Yeah, um, this is... Uh, you might have to chop other things here and there if you want to fit this one in because this can be quite broad. Um, but I'm, I'm going to keep it really simple. Um, uh, so there is there is a big perception that as soon as um, a woman hits her first day of her menstrual cycle that she shouldn't be training and it's completely the opposite. Um, so our cycle is made up of um, uh, two, you can call it like 
two cycles. So we have like the first half and the second half and the first half is the first day of the bleed and that's um, day one of your menstrual cycle up until day 14. Around there, you know, you've got your ovulation. So that's called the follicular phase. Um, uh, during that phase is when a woman is actually at her strongest. Now this is just going by, you know, sort of that textbook standard female. Not everyone's going to be the same. But looking at a 28-day cycle, day one to day 14 is when a woman is actually going to be at her strongest. Day one might not be quite that high day two to day three she'll start to see a peak in her performance um and and she should really take advantage of that hit the gym hit it hard hit some prs um you might have a decline around you know day five to seven it comes back up around ovulation um and that's again here we have to be careful how we lift but uh it's when testosterone is the most highest in a female around ovulation and that's when women can really hit extremely big numbers Again, we have to be careful because we can be a bit more fragile around ovulation. So be careful, but know your limits. Um, big things can happen there. Then we've got the second half of the cycle and that's the luteal phase. Um, and that's when um, now, so we've, we've passed the bleed phase and we're entering into the second week. Third week now, it's when we have a little bit of a decline in our performance. Um, and now it's, you know, we need to focus on things like mobility, um, a little bit more laid back in the gym, not hitting high intensities, lower intensities, higher reps, lower weights, things like that. Um, when it comes to diet, um, I hope I don't miss anything, but when it comes to diet, during the first two weeks of your cycle, so from day one being your bleed to day 14, it's actually when the appetite is at its lowest. So I get some women who approach me and say, Amal, you've dieted around your cycle, how can I do it? And I'd be like, well, day one to day 14 is when the appetite is at its rock bottom. So this is the time where you want to start your diet and then it during the luteal phase, so that's now week three to four, is when our hormones are crazy. This is when we want to ravage the kitchen, just eat everything. So this is where I take people back up to maintenance. So I say deficit for two weeks, maintenance for two weeks. Okay. This is where it yeah. comes in the weekly calories instead of daily. Right. Yeah. So we can use that method there as well. And that helps a lot of women. It's a longer... Um, so it's it takes a little bit longer to get those results that you want, but it's a lot more sustainable. Mm. Gives you that um, that break from you know that psychological. That's true. Sort of How about for sisters? Because I know some sisters like talk about the severity of the pain, the cramps and stuff like that. that. That's different. For people who are suffering those, there are ways to mitigate, like obviously you know pain through cycles and you know things like that. Now, if you're in pain, you're not going to train. You know, as I've known from myself back in when I was a teenager. There was no way known you're going to get me out of bed. So there, there are ways, and I would see a doctor for you know ways to mitigate those um, pains there. But if for you know the average sister who's quite healthy and doesn't really go through those pains, hit the gym, hit the gym. Your first two weeks, you're going to hit PRs, um, and if you can hit those PRs while you're in a calorie deficit, so make use of those first two weeks because what you will notice is that appetite is down. Um, you'll stick to your diet and then you're like week three, week four, I'm starting to get hungrier. It's because your body is now working a lot harder to get you ready for your next phase, right? So hormones are very, very high. Um, it's now the time to quit the diet, go on the maintenance phase. Don't go on a surplus because we're just going to gain weight, all the weight that we lost. Um, it's yeah, Get them up to maintenance and then start the diet again week one. Mm. So you've got week one, week two, diet, week three, week four, break. Week one, week two, diet, week four. Three week full break, and you know, in three months, you probably lost six kilos. Great. 
know, some people can't lose six kilos in six years. It's true, yeah. Yeah, and like you said, um, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, it's yeah. consistency. It's a, it Especially if you say, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, it's like, who cares if I get the goal by September or it's December? It's like, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. You know, it's yeah. something, yeah. It, it's, a, it's almost like finding that intuitive approach where based on how do I feel right now? Like, you know, eat, but don't be like, don't eat till you're full, eat until you're 80%, you know, mm. eat when you're hungry, don't eat when you're starving. And so if we go by intuitive kind of approach and it's week one of my menstrual cycle, then realistically I'm not that hungry. So I'll, I'll take that intuitive approach and just eat, you know, eat less. Mm. And then when it's week three to week four, I'm hungry for a reason. It's because my body actually needs those extra calories. It needs them. So give your body those extra calories and hit that maintenance. Mm. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Wrap that up, all good? Yeah, that was uh, great. Well Jazakallah khairan, Allah, you killed it. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. Beautiful. I think it was, a, it was a wealth of knowledge on this episode. I think people need to Inshallah. maybe go back and take notes. Inshallah. Yeah. We'll Inshallah. try to put some timestamps and share it around. And Jazakallah khairan for having you on. First podcast, Alhamdulillah. Thank First you very podcast much. Um, with you guys, so it was cool. Alhamdulillah, milestone. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely milestone. Um, Alhamdulillah, thank you guys for having me. Thanks for reaching out and My giving pleasure. us the opportunity because, you know, I would have just stayed in my little, you know, shelter there. That's and true. Yeah. <laughs> so it hopefully opens new doors. Inshallah. Inshallah. We'll share out your account, your Bodyscope Sisters, yep. your own Instagram account. So inshallah, everyone can find you. If they have questions for you that we didn't get to answer, they can reach out to you. Inshallah. I think that would be beautiful. So Jazakallah khairan everyone. Wa I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Remember to like, comment and subscribe and we'll see you next week.